for 10 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosieonthehouse.com. Information that you can't get anywhere else. And over three decades of Rosie on the House. Open home hour at Rosie on the House, your Saturday morning tradition for over 31 years. It's producer Gary D kicking off the hour with, um, man, with all the rain we had this past week and fall in the air. And man, I cannot wait to put my hiking shoes on some dirt and some rocks and get out there and enjoy the great state of Arizona, which has always been our mission here with our staycation. And uh, just to get you out there, uh, you know, folks from around the world come all the way to Arizona to see the Grand Canyon, to see the Red Rocks of Sedona, to see the Sonoran Desert. And it's right here in our own backyard. And if you've lived here for a long time and you still haven't had a chance to get out, what are you waiting for? As long as I've lived in Arizona, I have decided once and for all, if you ask me the question, which season is the absolute best season in Arizona? Hands down, it would be fall. Spring is great after winter rains uh, blossom up all the beautiful wildflowers and the cactus are blooming. That's got its place. I I like it too, and I like to hike. Summer's great. You can hop in the uh, lake or go out swimming. That's fantastic too. But there's something about fall, something about the leaves changing and the upper elevations, uh, the chance to just get outdoors and uh, after being stuffed in all summer long, fighting 110 degrees, it's a kind of a relaxing, uh, peaceful feeling that you can get out and not be afraid that you're going to get burned to a crisp <laughs> by the oven that is the summers in Arizona. Fall, the best season in Arizona. Now, Rosie on the House originates at our flagship station, KTAR 92.3 FM, but we also are heard around the state. If you're going up to Flagstaff, the gang at Calf Country, Steve Hosier and the gang, FM and AM 930. When you drive through Oak Creek Canyon, you come down to Sedona. Tom and the staff over at KAZM, K-A-Z-M, AM 780. A little bit further down the road at KQNA in Prescott, you can hear us at 99.9, 95.5, and AM 1130. Nick and Bill and the crew are keeping things going there, too. Tucson, KNST, AM 790. Garrett and the gang there, too, as well. And KGVY 100.7 and AM 1080, Deanna and the crew put Rosie on the air for you. People always want to know about their power bill. And I could tell you this, that if you'll get the power bill you received in May, which was for the power you consumed in April, generally speaking, April 2019, Your power bill is what we call the base load. Chances are, if you're below the Mogollon Rim, you did not have any heat on, you did not have any air conditioning on, and that's what it costs you to run electricity in your house for a month with no conditioning of the indoor environment. That's computers, lights, cooking, swimming pool, TV, and what have you. April's bill. You can also pull out your cost of electricity used out of your bill if you've got an APS one. And that will tell you the dollar amount for that month as well. 
is about where our energy comes from. How do we power well, comes the this, state of Arizona? It comes from this switch on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty convenient, isn't <laughs> well, yeah, it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Amen, brother. And, and Jeep, a, a lot of people, uh, and you're going to hear a lot of ads, people save money, save money, save money, save money on your electric bill and your cost of power, but the the margins in there i mean to what extent is it beneficial to you the homeowner boy there is just something naturally inquisitive to me about the whole concept of electricity you know i've arced more than one pair more more than one <laughs> screwdriver pretty bad and it's just a it, it is electricity is a naturally occurring mystery it's a naturally occurring phenomena. And up until the mid-18th century, late 18th century, all we knew about it, uh, in the 1750s, Benjamin Franklin determined that static electricity off your hair and your clothes is the same energy as lightning. I mean, the first time the word electricity was used goes back to the 13th century, and it was a monk who had rubbed the wool robe that he was wearing and was trying to analyze what this static electricity force was. And then it basically goes unmentioned by any other human for 400 years. What they would have paid for a light bulb in the 1500s, right? Huh? <laughs> so Benjamin Franklin decides, you know what? There's a possibility that if we could define this, we could possibly harness it. And then if we could harness it, what would be available to us at that point? And I mean, he had no idea what a light bulb was. He had no idea what a photograph was. He just knew it was a tremendously huge energy source that somehow, some way, we'd figure out a way to get out of it what we needed. It's tremendously consistent. Uh, it's safe when you're not the when you're not the last leg of the connection. <laughs> when you make sure the ground wire is in place, uh, and we've gone through, you know, the Ben Franklin era uh, in the in the 19th century and 20th century. Of course, we had George Westinghouse and Nikola Tesla and uh, Thomas Edison. All these people now generating oh well if if old ben figures out we could control it and direct it well let's invent things to use it for and you got all these guys inventing these electrical devices uh and electricity now we have to figure out how to distribute it and this is a great broadcast for t digital communication uh people when we talk power, when they get, you know, I mean, they're very passionate about it. A um, lot of emotion run, <laughs> running, a lot of misunderstanding. And this hour is primarily just going to be dialogue. But we've got text option at 411923, uh, email info at house.com. You could call in. We're probably not going to take calls this hour, but you can always call in 888 uh, 767 That's 1888 Rosie for you. It's funny when radio broadcasting started, it was always just this very hard uh, rule that they would take. Don't let somebody call in, leave a comment, and go. 
they're not willing to talk on air. But all communication is so quick anymore. <laughs> that's that's generally how it how it's done. <laughs> the text has completely broken that rule down in an email. Um, and then we do have uh, we've been very passive on our social media, and we are working to now that we've got staffed up with. Uh, in-house personnel. There's only so many channels of communication we could monitor at any given time, but we've got uh, some additional team and tools. So we've got you know, our, our Twitter account that we've had forever and our Facebook account that we've had forever. We're starting to engage those a lot more. And you know, Roby, just last weekend, there was a power outage. Uh, everything was dead at the house. Your house. Yeah. You had a power outage at, at yeah. your house? Okay. And so Jennifer gets on her cell phone and the original indication from the APS website was it was statewide. Well, she said, honey, this is a, this is a statewide power outage. I said, no, it can't be. <laughs> and so I said, well, you keep looking. And I threw my bug out bag in the back of the pickup truck, and I was loading the dog kittles in the water. And I thought, hey, if there's a statewide outage... There's a reason for it, and I'm getting out of I'm getting the, out of Dodge. The, what it would take to make a full state blackout, the system failures, is is unfathomable because you oh, have. Oh yeah, and uh, it, it would be through the distribution process. Oh, not by the manufacturing process. And, well, and how many different manufacturers do you have in Arizona? Right, we have a lot. We do. So for it to be a statewide shutdown, uh, and like you said, the. Each manufacturer has their own distribution, so it would have to be multiple manufacturer breakdown. Now, APS and SRP do share lines here and there. Uh, they do share power here and there. They share ownership in Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant. You always think APS when you think of Palo Verde, but they've got seven owners, one of which is SRP. Uh, APS does have the operating license to use the plant, so it is APS employees that operate the power plant, but the... And <laughs> the statewide failure. Um, well, it would be you, it would be uh, it's, there'd be you, some you, level of catastrophe, you know. But <laughs> as I was loading the truck, I went back inside. I said, Jennifer, <laughs> if it was a statewide outage, the Verizon towers would be down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, or maybe they're they, maybe they fired up on generators. But it wasn't long after that the thing started getting updated. It, it was an automobile accident that had taken out a transformer in the area and it wiped out a pretty good piece of the Northeast Valley. So how long was that out? A couple hours. Yeah. And so you're you're sitting there in a mild spring day, you know, wasn't uncomfortable, the windows were open, doors were open, and we were enjoying it. But by habit, you go over and you say, Well, I got time to kill. Well, I'll I'll see what's on the sports channel. Nothing. <laughs> you had to did you stream it on your phone then <laughs> no i went out to my bug out bag and got my noah solar charge hand crank am fm radio and, and I, I turned on the radio this next segment we're going to talk about the sources of power we've got solar nuclear hydroelectric natural gas uh coal some wind. wind yeah and, and we'll, methane and methane and then we're going to be then we'll talk uh, the rest of the half hour about the generation of that and the ultimate question you you've heard been asked before what comes first the chicken or the egg well for a lot of these 
The question is what comes first, the water or the power? Our power hour here at Rosie on the House. Getting buzzed with Rosie on the House. <laughs> or better yet, not getting buzzed, right? <laughs> we have a, a number of different utility providers in Arizona. Um, it, it would be hard to actually... I ca- think there's 10, 10 or 11 Well, and, different utilities. Su- and you know what's not included companies. in that are your independents like Barrett Propane. You know That's oh, not yeah, included, sure. and they're delivering... Yeah gas when you've got a propane tank on the outside of your home and you're using it. But, I mean, you start adding up co-ops that exist. I mean, it, it, it's more than that. But primarily, so there, there's about 10. You've got APS, SRP, uh, TEP, Tri-Electric Co-op. You have... Unisource. Unisource. There is... Sulphur Springs Valley Co-op. Uh, Navajo Tribal Utility Authority. And they use a combination of different methods to generate power. Which one do you want to start with? (laughs) Well, we could start with coal. Uh, It has historically always been our largest supplier of electricity in Arizona. And you would think driving around the state looking at all the big dams that we have on the Salt and the Colorado River, that hydro would have, you know, just been so impressive. But coal has been historically our biggest source for manufacturing electricity, coal-fired generators. Now, we're losing one of those in December. They're shutting it down on the Davao Indian Reservation. Along with the only coal mine left That's right. in Arizona. But they're anticipating with how coal has been replaced by natural gas as now the number one leader that we will never even feel the little dip at all. And coal will continue to fall as an important criteria for manufacturing electricity. So then you've got natural gas. You'd mentioned that is coming on. So coal is right now about 30%? Yep. Just 10 years ago, it was 40%. <laughs> so they've really been whittling away at that. Uh, and then you've got uh, nuclear, I'm sorry, is is now the number one. I, mean, I said natural gas was nuclear. Nuclear is now the number one source. At, about, at just 1% more than coal. It's like 30, 30, 31%. So Palo Verde's like edged its way into the leading position, the largest nuclear power plant in America. And of course now our largest power supply source in all of Arizona. Truly impressive plant. It is. And when you look at coal, natural gas, and nuclear, all of those do the exact same thing. And that's steam water to spin turbines. That's it. It's just how they're heating it. Are you heating the water with coal? Are you heating it with natural gas? Are you heating it with a nuclear reaction? And spinning those turbines that creates the electricity comes back to my question. That what comes first, water or power? Yeah, right. Because one of the most interesting things that I took away from our tour at Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant back in October was that Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant needs the grid to operate. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They've got to turn all the lights on and start up the manufacturing process to manufacture more electricity. (laughs) They've got a power bill just like everyone else. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. I haven't been able to figure out what that monthly power bill is. <laughs> be curious to know how they power Palo Verde nuclear power plant. 
But the rotating turbines, whether by falling water in the hydroelectric situation or steam, uh, we could thank Nikola Tesla for that. Nikola Tesla is the one that unlocked the mystery of rotating magnetic fields that could create electricity. Uh, and that's, that's basically an electric motor. You, you get a magnetic field rotating in a field, harvest the static electricity that comes out of that through copper windings, and send her down the line, baby. So you've got water at Palo Verde Nuclear Power Plant where there is no water. The only power plant that's not built on a body of water, whether it's a lake or a river. And they get their water source, as we've talked about here in the last couple weeks a few times, from cities here in the Maricopa County area. You've got Goodyear, Scottsdale, I'm sorry, Glendale, Scottsdale, Phoenix, Tempe, and Mesa all ship their water <laughs> to a facility at 91st Avenue that's then shipped 36 miles through a pipe system to Palo Verde. And we're going to break down that water use of once <laughs> that water use once it gets there and how much water it creates, how much water is needed to generate the electricity we consume. And here's something funny to think about. If you're a Phoenix resident and you have a Phoenix water bill and a Phoenix power bill, you're paying for water twice. When you turn on your kitchen faucet and water's running down the sink, that water then goes to APS and it's powered to run the electricity that's powering the water pumps to pressurize the water from the city of Phoenix to get to your sink. So what comes first, the water or the electricity? <laughs> well, I think they exist, could they coexist? <laughs> But harnessing the electricity and manufacturing the electricity definitely depends on a water source of some type, something to get the machine rotating, for sure. Absolutely. More about the enigma, the, the uh, puzzling mystery of electricity and how it can become so convenient and so easy to take for granted at your house right here at Rosie on the House. Current flowing to and fro makes a circuit of electricity, electricity. Voltage is the pressure that makes it go. It's pushing up electricity, electricity. What's Continuing our power hour here at Rosie on the House. Do you have any more for us? I like well, to I get buzz one last. <laughs> last intro. Getting buzz. Getting buzz. Getting buzz at Rosie on the House talking about where your Arizona electricity comes from. So the point I was trying to make with that, where what comes first, the water or the power? Well, it's not either. I mean, yes, we have the dams and the hydroelectric, but that's 10%. That would nowhere near sustain the entire state. That's right. The answer is coal and natural gas. You've got to have combustion somewhere to start the whole process. And the power that feeds uh, Palo Verde is combustion-based, oh, natural gas, coal, because that is where you get your first reaction. Now, you need water and all assets, aspects of it to steam and turn the turbines, but you've got your combustion as your base. And that's why coal and natural gas will never go away, because we need those startups. Now, even if it's just to start up the nuclear power plant, it'll still exist for that. 
Well, there's a lot of time and energy spent by Arizona homeowners, particularly trying to beat their summer electric bill. And you would think that because of our summers, we might be one of the higher consuming per capita states in the union, but we're not. We're the 14th most populous state, but really? we're ranked 43rd, 43rd in our power consumption. That's because we have the other nine months, you know, while, while they're trying to keep the ice out of the windows <laughs> in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan, we've got the doors and windows open, you know. So, and the winters are longer than the summers here. Absolutely. And we have a fairly small industrial sector. You know, we don't have a big industrial complex in, in, uh, like a big in the state of Like a big Pittsburgh Steel or a big Portland Cement. Or, or, yeah, or auto manufacturing or anything like that. So it's the convenience of being able to turn the thermostat wherever you want it, being able to turn the light switch on and off, and it all comes from the reliability of the electricity that is produced by about 10 or 10 or 11 utility companies all across the state of Arizona. We're talking about the energy sources, and about a third comes from nuclear, a third comes from coal, and a third comes from natural gas. And then we've got solar and wind and other that make up altogether, added together, the last 10 to 12 percent. So that's... That's a good variety of, of supplies. It gives us some, some insurance redundancies against any one particular supply not being available. So I like that. Well, and the backups to the backups that they have, and I'm sure most power plants are like this, but when we were at Palo Verde, that's the only one I can speak to uh, as seeing it, the amount of backups they have to the backups is – Phenomenal, and the supply chain that they have to okay, if this ever broke down, we've got this amount of time using this alternate source while we repair this to get our main primary source refunctioning. Whether it's oh, the water supply, the power supply, you know, if the power plant that supplies them went down, you know, the generators and the gas that they store on site to run the op the plant operation and then the supply that supplies that i mean yeah. it's it's a phenomenal uh it is process and and because it exists we are the 14th most, most populous state in the union we have lots of land too i don't know size wise where we're at but we're i, I think we're know. even higher than 14th but on our tour two weeks ago now at the water resource department for Palo Verde, a couple big lakes. Our tour is not like it's not like just a take of water. No, it's like two giant lakes, and they have two water supplies. One that's super purified, that's the steam inside the turbine, because you know they don't want any mineral deposits or calcium buildups in the turbines. That's they say it's so pure if you drank it, it would dehydrate you because it would suck the minerals out of your body, and then and that's being purified from city affluent water <laughs> yeah <laughs> it can't be done <laughs> the water in the lake is used to cool the nuclear reaction and the chilling towers where the water is because the very center of that reaction is 2000 degrees and by the time it gets out uh outside of that core it's down to 500 and they do that with water because it's all underwater where this nuclear reaction is taking place so how much water are we using 
to create that electricity out of the nuclear power plant. It took me a little while, and I've got some numbers uh, put together. And one thing that they said on that tour, our tour guide, Jill, the communications director, she said, you know, I spend a lot of time going around to different news sources and answering questions to different reporters, different news agencies, outlets about power and how it's generated and how to use it and best manage it and maintain your power bills. And she goes, Rosie's the only one that gets it. If they would just go back and listen to that broadcast, you had April 27th about supercooling. Rosie gets it and no one else gets it. They get so stuck on the why is my bill and, and rate going up. And instead of just learning, well, how do you how to utilize that rate? Just this past week, Arizona Central published two articles stating that APS and SRP customers, over half of them, are on the wrong rate plan. Which is over probably half true. half of them are on the wrong rate plan. At the next home show, I'm just going to rent a booth, and I'm going to charge $10 to analyze everybody's power bill, and I'm going to sit there with a calculator and a Zillow computer map and you can bring me your power bill i'll zillow your house and i'll be able to tell you how to save two hundred dollars in the (laughs) next two months if you'll just do what i tell you to do and half the customers are on the wrong plan after we've been touting this for how many decades and you're not doing that by selling them something that's right that the money you're saving them isn't Buy this product. That's right. You don't have to buy it's not one thing. Put this in your attic. It's not, uh, you know, one free, upgrade to this new unit. One free phone call. <laughs> All right. So I've got a city of Phoenix water bill here. Uh, this month it was about 40,000 gallons, 39,644 to be exact, of water gallons used. That's probably low for most. Ooh. Um, I think that's high. Is that high? I think that's high. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at it. Yeah, it is high. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm looking at this year versus last year. Oh. Okay. And, yeah, there was a lot more on this property used in May this year over last year. But we'll say that aside. 40,000 gallons was 250 bucks. That's .006 per gallon or 60 cents per 100 gallons. To put it into perspective, pretty cheap. Yeah. But you know what Palo Verde's bill is for their water a year? Their water? They get a water bill? They get a water bill from the reclamation site. Okay. Where all of these city municipalities tunnel their water okay. to. All right. And tunnels to uh, APS. Okay. We'll send it to you clean, but you're going to pay for it. $10 billion. No, no. 10 billion <laughs> gallons is delivered. What would 10 billion gallons cost? At six cents? At six cents, 60 cents a hundred? I'm not sure I'm capable of that. Well, they've math. got a little different rate. Yeah, yeah, it's I it's about $1.3 million is what they spend annually to get the water, Wow, the affluent water to, to run the generation station. Now, Ruby, do they read, once they've gone through all that expense of purifying it to that degree, is there any ability to collect the condensation and reuse it? No. What they do is they say every drop of water gets used about 15 times through the system. At Palo Verde? At Palo Verde. Uh, and that's through 
That's pretty. Ch- I would say that's pretty efficient. Very, very. <laughs> and that's just recycling the water through the chilling towers. And after a certain amount of time and going through the reactive pool, that water is then pumped out to their evaporation ponds. When you see, if you've ever driven by uh, Palo Verde or if you're on I-10 out in Tonopah you saw steam coming up, that's not like a coal generating plant where it's the burnoff. That's steam from the chilling towers. You don't see anything from a nuclear reaction. It's all inside the containment center. Those, those steams are just the moisture in the air reacting with the temperature of the chilling towers. So how much water does it then generate? How much water, how many gallons of water does it then take to generate electricity? Depending on the time of year, because evaporation has a big part in, in this process through the chilling towers, but it averages about seven to 800 gallons of water to generate a megawatt. Okay, well, that's a lot of power. Okay, my house. That's a lot of is, power. This is my bill. I used 220 kilowatts. Kilowatts. There's 1,000 megawatts. <laughs> kilowatts. There's 1,000 kilowatts and one megawatt. And breaking that down, that's about uh, 0.8 gallons. All right, so how much water does APS need to power the Whitman Ranch. <laughs> um, you could carry it in two buckets. We use about uh, 67 kilowatts a day, and that's about 53 gallons of water per day, about 1,600 gallons per month, and that comes out to about 16 cents a gallon of water that's required for the generation of of the power. For your, for your property. And this is not extracting just the cost of manufacturing electricity. This includes all the other fees on top of it. If you pulled out just my use of on-peak and off-peak electricity, that's $68. There's another $190 in all the other charges that come onto it. Funding the bureaucracy. It's called funding the bureaucracy. (laughs) And taxes, fees, surcharges. Oh, well, and then the environmental uh, benefits surcharge, the federal transmission cost adjustment, the federal transmission and ancillary services, the LFCR adjuster, the tax adjuster. So when we're looking at these high bills, we've got to pull out really what we're consuming in energy because – and I don't mind paying the distribution charge. It doesn't got be to. no good got to. for them right. to generate it at Palo Verde if I can't use it That's right. 80 miles away in Whitman. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. You know, those things don't – aren't that big a deal. That's just part of the cost of doing business. So you're saying if you really want to beat the bad, you've got to understand your power bill enough to know that there's just some things they're stuck with. <laughs> you know, they're just told this will be on your bill to the consumers. Harnessing the electricity – and manufacturing the electricity definitely depends on a water source of some type, something to get the machine rotating, for sure. Absolutely. More about the enigma, the, the uh, puzzling mystery of electricity and how it can become so convenient and so easy to take for granted at your house, right here at Rosie on the House.
electricity, where it comes from, how it's made. It's the reason you're able to listen to us on whatever radio listening device that you might currently be using. And I understand, Robert, the stats say that uh, half the radio consu- half the radio broadcast consumers now are streaming the audio. Uh, Is it that high? I don't know. Wow. It would. It. Hmm. 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 I have not seen that stat, but I do know that they see a big resurgence in audio because of the Alexa-type services that are in the home that people are using, that they're oh. streaming in their kitchens now. Oh. Um, and the vehicles, you know, I, I, I don't know. Well, I still like holding a newspaper, <laughs> and I still like getting the direct oh. broadcast, watching the Indy 500 I, I don't have my outside TV connected to the main distribution box. So I have to go on a NBC app to get the streaming NBC. <laughs> so on my back patio, we were streaming the Indy 500, and in the living room, we were watching it on live broadcast. I liked the, I went back and forth, you, back and forth. I like the live options. broadcast better. <laughs> the, you like which one? The live broadcast. You know, uh, not TV, but radio and newspaper, the nice thing about both of those is there's nothing that goes backwards to the source. When you're listening to radio, that's the end of the transmission. Well, I've been telling people for years that we have a camera <laughs> on their radio. When you, radio cam. I can see what they're doing during our show. When the paper is <laughs> delivered to your house, there's nothing that goes back that says what you did or didn't read. All those things that you do online, that's getting tracked yeah. and data farmed. And, you know, I like being um, where just fe- not feeling like constantly watched because you do something streaming. And if there's a chance that a sponsor can or an advertisement yeah. can pop in related to something that happened and it's just all this this very complicated clutter that happens there. So I, I like the. <clears throat> the terrestrial termination in. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. I, I was doing a small example of that as I was doing a small research on how to completely and totally, absolutely, 100%, without question, annihilate a pomegranate tree that I've been trying to kill for four years. <laughs> well, you know, in my internet research, now every pomegranate tree uh-huh. producer yeah. <laughs> in America trying to sell you is a trying to sell me a pomegranate tree. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we're so, talking about the power sources. How in Arizona, I think we ought to congratulate all the utility companies because, you know, without the reliability of the grid that's been established and with the foresight of our forefathers with the hydroelectric and the power distribution lines that have been established, it would be, it would take a little bit more rugged individual to survive the southern half of Arizona than most of the people that currently live there. Now, I'm not, I'm not bad-talking anybody. It's just that's the facts. It's, it's hard to be comfortable at 115 degrees, even if it is only for a month. And I'd like to thank Jill Hanks and Rick Lane from APS. They were at both of the first two tours, uh, one of the actual reactor where we got to go inside the belly of the beast, uh, then the second one where we went and saw the water. Then the third one we were at this week, the distribution center, where they decide how much power to send down oh, God. what line at one time. And Jill was on us all three of those, um, and Jacob was our director at the 
distribution office. So now that I've seen that on the APS side, I want to go see the, the hydroelectric at the dams. I want to see the natural gas and SRP and TEP. At, when you so go, I was like, fish a trip to Powell. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> These Ferry. We, we got to see it down at the base. Yeah, we, we could squeeze a visit to the dam in on that. When you see it firsthand and you understand the amount of work that goes into this and how convenient it is on the user side and how affordable it is uh, on, on the grand scheme of things, it's, you know, it, it, it connects you with, you know, what's creating a modern lifestyle for us here. And you have much more of an appreciation for the work that they do because something that every single employee at every single power company has in common with you, they want their bill as cheap as possible too. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So we'll end this conversation on the source of electricity with a Cajun joke. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is all you, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's two Cajuns playing dominoes down at the drugstore, Boudreaux and Thibodeau. And they talking about themselves, between themselves, about what the fastest thing in the world is. And Boudreaux says, oh, Thibodeau, I'm going to tell you this right now. The fastest thing in the whole world is electricity. He says, because I can walk over to that switch right there, and as fast as I can throw that switch on and off and on and off, that light bulb comes on and off and on and off. And Thibodeau's checking out his next Domino's move, and he's thinking about what Boudreaux had to say. And Thibodeau leads back in his chair, and he says, No, Boudreaux, I don't think so. He says, The fastest thing in the world is a thought. Because before you could even thought to go over there and turn that light on, the thought's in your head. The thought is faster than electricity. So by the greatest minds found... On Bayou Tesh in South Louisiana, the fastest thing in the world is the thought. But very close second to that is electricity. And again, we'd like to thank all the utility companies in Arizona for doing such a fabulous job in providing safe, reliable electricity through the multiple sources that they've diverted, diversed their reliance on.